Welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hey team, Mickey here. You're listening to Wikipedia, and this week on the podcast, I speak to the ultimate endurance legend, Simon Cochran from Athletic Peak Coaching. Now, Simon recently smashed the world record at the Ultraman Australia race. This was on the back of a record 34 laps at the 24-hour Blue Lake Festival, 202 kilometres, which then kicked on to race and podium at Rotorua, 70.3 and the 70.3 in December in Taupo. He went on to place fifth at the Tarawera 100 mile race in February, then sixth at Ironman New Zealand. Wow. So we discuss in brief parts of these races because of course they all form part of the picture that makes Simon the legend that he is. Not an overnight success though because we discuss so much more than that. We discuss his history and experience in endurance sport, the nutrition tactics he uses, what he does for recovery, what a training week looks like, some of the elements that he thought made him most successful to be able to not only perform at these races but actually get to the start line at the start of the event because that ultimately for us endurance athletes is one of the biggest challenges and we discuss mindset and Simon and I are totally on the same page when it comes to how you think about your training, your recovery and your racing and what allows you to sort of push on when times get tough because I don't doubt there were a lot of tough times throughout these events for Simon and we definitely talk about some of that too. So I think you're really gonna love this episode even if you've heard Simon sort of talk about his his races and his successes on you know runners only podcast with Dom or the fitter radio podcast with Bev I think this conversation will expand on a lot of the other areas to do with Simon and his success so Simon has been part of the fitness industry for 15 years beginning as a strength and conditioning coach and building his passion for coaching and personal development he has worked with a wide range of athletes and clients from general weight loss and strength gains to coaching elite triathletes and runners to world-class level competition which is no surprise given his talent but also his experience in the sport so you can follow Simon over on Instagram at Cochrane Simon, that's C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E-S-I-M-O-N, or go over to his athleticpeak.co.nz website to investigate his coaching and training plan options if you're keen to get some advice from one of the legends in the sport. Just a reminder before we crack on into the interview that I would just like to remind you the best way to support our podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell your mates that would be amazing this increases the visibility of our podcast out there in amongst the literally thousands of podcasts so more people get the opportunity to learn from guests that I have on the show like Simon Cochran and what it takes to be an absolute legend I'm really excited just to have like a uh, conversation with you about this actually so it's actually been like going off yeah yeah it has it's been yeah quite quite a lot of exposure I guess since I've been back which is cool um yeah it's a it's a different sort of sport but um I think all sports 
in the endurance world are just getting crazier and longer and yeah normalizing some short events now so simon is do you think that your exposure comes from the fact that you totally nailed that world record in that one event or do you think it was the fact that you'd also run 100 miles done an iron man was there something else i'm missing in there and then went on to do the ultraman yeah the season was huge i mean it started way back um well pretty much exactly a year before the ultraman was a my first six hour run which is at that summer hill in the hills in uh Papama, which yeah i ran 56 odd k's and then did the blue lake 24 hour that's when it really that's right yeah 201 oh, that's k's right. <laughs> yeah that that race blew my mind let alone anyone who watched it like i still don't understand how it went as smoothly as it did really yeah can now actually can we just um uh push pause on that one for a little bit yep. not push pause what is it double click double click yep. double click on that because uh that's right that was such a remarkable run and what did you go in expecting like what 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 did you have in your head like what were you hoping to achieve in that well yeah i mean it's it had been going for you know five six seven years and they'd had mm. that elusive 200k trophy that no one had even got you know there'd been quite a few that had done 100 miles but you know another marathon on top of that within the time frame is is quite extreme but yeah I put the numbers down and I was like ah oh, it's it's doable if you have good conditions and yeah I guess if you get your fueling right your pacing right and it's gonna hurt and it's gonna be a long run but um yeah I thought I could do it and <laughs> and, and yeah okay so you went to go this is if all all your ducks if all the stars are aligned this is possible yep and yeah, it went pretty smooth. I mean, I had an hour and a half to spare in the end, so I guess that's quite smooth. Um, but you got to commit quite early as well because it is a long way and there will be a little bit of fading. Um, and there wasn't really anyone else to run with or run against in the end. Um, I think the next closest was, you know, still not even at 170. So I was probably like, well, nearly five laps ahead at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> and were you just taking people off in your mind as you go around them? Nah, because there was like 500 people across the day um, doing all sorts of different distances, starting at different times. So I just, yeah, stuck to my schedule. and But I had my paces running with me for oh, 80% of that run, which helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Simon, what was your... What was your fueling strategy for that? Because obviously I'm super keen to do a deep dive into nutrition because yeah, yeah. you've no, you've no, had definitely. not you've 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 been a bit of an n equals one over your athletic sort of career <laughs> as I you know it just as and I, from the brief sort of observation that I've seen from from the outside with with some of the things that you've done. But what what was your strategy with this? Yeah, well, my nutrition strategy over the years have, have been you know at the extremes, I suppose as well. Like I've been carnival for six months. I've tried yeah. All sorts of different things but for me it's sort of going back to basics with day-to-day -day eating and probably eating more um not being scared of the carbs and realizing that yeah you're not actually going to be putting on weight or feeling worse or, or that sort of thing and actually having more energy and probably recovering better so day-to-day -day has been just eating more um and yeah just eating good quality food and then yeah the actual race day nutrition is is pretty much 100% liquid now. Um, is it? Yeah, so pretty much tailwind nutrition yep. plus, you know, a bit of Coke and Red Bull near the near the sort of later stages. Just 
so easy to pre-mix, like you can plan everything so well in bottles. Um, obviously it digests a lot easier. You're not having to try and eat while you're running or yeah, have too many, uh, you know, toilet stops, stomach issues, that sort of thing. Yeah. And what's your carb for the hour? Well, like, am I right? I think it's 120. Like that, is that, that was um, for the Ultraman bike. So that's probably the most I've, I've had. But didn't have any issues at all. And that was for seven and a half hours. So, you know, that's like, yeah, yeah I don't know what it was, nearly 1,000 grams of carbs over, you know, which is, is crazy. But generally for running, it'll be a bit less. So probably in the realms of, yeah, 80 to 100. Yeah, yeah, okay. And it makes sense, right, because of the impact of, you know, of running compared yeah, to yeah. being on the bike where you're not getting that same that same sort of like GI sort of thing going. And then like say for Tarawera, 100 mile probably was around that 80 to 100 grams for the first, you know, 10 hours. And then after that, yeah, you you just don't really feel like ingesting that much. So you do have to sort of preload for the the later stages and then you just go to whatever you feel like like it might just be more water more coke um but still keeping it simple yeah do you know what I, it is interesting you say that so m one of my um really good friends anna she's like a professional she was a professional mountain runner and now she's you know a coach and she's in the sport and she's done she's won hard rock and stuff a couple of times and it's interesting with what because there aren't any great guidelines around how to fuel for events like this even like the traditional guidelines just and she's explained this to me heaps she said like they just do not work like you you almost cannot um you cannot predict what your stomach is going to do or what you're going to feel like when that intent that intensity kicks in because of the fatigue is that sort of what you've thought yes and no like I actually was chatting to someone the other day and they said oh you know so you've you've done you know heaps of Ironman, blah, blah, blah. You've probably got your nutrition dialed in for that. You would have had to have a, a totally different plan for your 100-mile races and for Ultraman. And I was like, well, no, I stuck exactly to my liquid 80 to that 100 grams of carbs per hour, and it, it works. Um, but I think I've done a lot of key sessions on my weekends of fueling with that right up to that limit, whereas a lot of people don't. You know, they'll, they'll think they're having it, but they look back and it's probably like, 40 or 50 grams and throwing double that in on race day usually yeah turns to shit for most people literally yeah yeah no totally and I think yeah. what she was just meaning was that um in the latter parts of the race the way that you describe you just have the coke or the water or whatever you feel like that's what she said as well like that she goes into it she would go into a race with a you know knowing that the first part of the race was going to be fine and then just yep. trusting that what she had planned there was going to help her in that latter part of the race when her stomach might not be playing the game and that takes, I think, experience and confidence for an athlete. You know, it's hard for a newbie to sort of go out thinking that that's going to go to plan. Yeah, and if I look back to Tarawera, like in the last two hours, I probably got stuff all calories or carbs in at all because I was just feeling like water. But yeah, you've got the confidence to know that um, you've probably had enough during the run and that you you can go out and run two or three hours with no calories when you need to. Um, so yeah, you just got to keep pushing through and uh didn't you like push through it like some like didn't you run some pretty fast k's at the end of that tarawera yeah well, it was interesting like about 8k to go i got a split to fifth place who was ahead of me um which was three minutes ahead and i thought oh well you know nothing to lose the guy behind me was i don't know maybe 20 minutes back so i thought right let's let's push hard and yeah managed to drop a 347 for the last k <laughs> and uh <laughs> 
catch him and, and beat him only by like about five seconds. So to have a sprint hell. finish at the end of 100 miles was unexpected. <laughs> that is that is phenomenal. So tell me then, like, so you did the Blue Lake, right? Did mm-hmm. you have it in your head what your race schedule was going to be like this season at that point in time? Mm, not really. I sort of, um, I think I did Taupo 100K only a few weeks after the Blue Lake. And that went pretty well. So I was like, well, I'm I'm handling some good training load and it's not affecting my racing. So I thought, right, let's do a few half Ironmans over summer, which was going to be yes. Taupo 70.3, Rotorua Suffer and Tauranga Half. And very surprised at how my half marathon running off the bike was. Like only a few weeks after the Taupo 100K, I had my yeah quickest 70.3 run without doing any specific speed work or running off the bike or, yeah. Yeah. Now, am I right in thinking it was like 71 minutes or something? No, uh, 75. 75, 75. Okay. <laughs> On that telephone Yeah, but still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy moly, that's right, Simon. I forgot, like, I don't, I think I only forgot that because I, now I'm remembering it and remembering how, like, am- like how amazing it was. Um, but I think it was because of what you've got, then gone on to achieve that, Almost like sort of. Yeah, got it seems like it was a such a long time ago as well yeah. because there's been a lot of racing. Racing, um, yeah, yeah. So Simon, then let's chat about your training then, because obviously, like, because few people. So I think you're an anomaly. Like, few people can handle the loads that you that you can put out week to week. I might be wrong. I mean, you're the coach, but I just you know, as an athlete, as someone who yep, knows athletes, yep. like, it's significant. So what, like. What kind of hours are you putting in and how do you structure that week to week? And I know it, obviously it's going to change according to the the thing that you're training for, but can we have a bit of a sample of what you did in your 100 in the lead up to Tarawera and then maybe a sample of what you did in the sort of yeah, lead up yeah, yeah. to Ultraman? Oh, I've got my training peaks open here as well. So Amazing. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but sort of going back to you saying handling the load, like two years ago, I'd say I was a fairly moderate volume athlete um like you know if I was running an 80k week that was big for me um and you know I was still getting the niggles and that sort of thing but I think it's just the 10 or 15 years of slowly you know improving each year allows you to handle a bit more yeah for sure so I guess yeah you look it looks like I can handle massive loads and I'm resilient as but I think it's just been a slow steady increase in volume um so like building up to Tarawera, like I would have had my biggest week would have been maybe like one week of 150 Ks. Okay. Um, but I was doing a bit different, I guess, in the way that I was doing big one-off key sessions, which I believe that not enough people do. Um, you know, like a lot of people do their back-to-back runs and they think, oh yeah, I'm running, you know, 40 on the Saturday, 40 on the Sunday. I'm I'm running on fatigued legs, but you've had a whole night's sleep, you've had two meals, you've had, you know, a shower. It's not the same as running 40Ks and then another 40Ks on the same day, you know, non-stop. Um, so I think that's where my back-end strength in the run really pays off. Like, um, But the build-up for Tarawera was interesting because it had towering a half, you know, only a couple of weeks before. So actually, the Sunday before t- uh, towering a half, I ran a 90K training run. Um, that's right. In Rotorua, mm. and then yeah, six days later, managed to get a fifth place at the 
half Ironman and run a, I think it was a 116 off the bike there. So that was, yeah, same thing, quite surprising. Um, and then the lead into Tarawera, yeah, just a couple more key one-off sessions. So nothing crazy overall volume, like maybe around that 100 to 120 k's a week running, but topped up with a lot of bike volume, which a lot of people who are just running don't don't do. Like, so how would that look in a week then? Let's say it's uh, so. Would you go and do a run on one day, like in the morning, and then a bike? in the afternoon or like or how do you do it so you get that load yet you still get that recovery yeah so I guess using the bike for a bit more of the intensity stuff because it's yes. a lot less risky yeah nice um because you can push hard you, your legs are still working hard and your heart rate definitely is um and then some run off the bike so you are running on tired legs um but without the total impact over that session um and then also doing some like say a three-hour run on a Saturday and then getting home and straight onto the bike for another two hours and trying to keep the heart rate around the same as the run. So you're still getting that aerobic conditioning, but you're just not getting that total impact on the legs, which, um, yeah, people who are just running, you know, they might do a little bit of cycling, but I'm talking like I was doing like an extra 12 hours a week of cycling, um, which adds a lot of aerobic conditioning in there. Yeah, it does. Do you who who does anyone coach you, Simon, or are you self coach? Nah, me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so would you have a coach or are you, like I think I just well well I was talking to someone the other day about this as well and I was just saying that because I'm so busy with like I've got two businesses, young family, um and obviously a lot of training myself. So most days I will make up my training on the day. Like I've got a brief sort of idea, but I'll head out and if things crop up, I'm not stressed that I'm missing something because I can change tomorrow or I can do that. So I think it would be more stressful having a coach because you'd have your training peaks and you'd, you know, you wouldn't be getting the sessions done and I wouldn't get the value out of the coach because I would be changing it up so much. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, you're so right. You'd actually be a nightmare to coach probably yeah, yeah. in that respect. And I think I know my body better than anyone yeah and I don't think many coaches would have the confidence to program in some of the stuff that I'm doing like not many people are doing a 90k training run a week before a half Ironman and I don't think any coaches would recommend that and I wouldn't recommend that for any of my athletes but I'm trying to push the boundaries and, and you know yourself and I think this is the thing like and this is why I think you are you are like when, so when I said you were an anomaly what I mean is like that I think that there mate is like that that must be more than just 15 years of load running and I just say this as a 45 year old runner of 30 years like no amount of slow steady build up over the years has has resulted in, in <laughs> me being able to do that you know yep yeah, and because there are people like like Killian Jornet, you know, I think about people like him and uh, and uh, Michael Knight and is it Mike Knight? You know, the zero carb run. He's not really zero carb. He calls himself zero carb. I yep, don't know. Yep, I've seen him yep. eat carbs. I don't know what he's on about. Um, and uh, and Mike Wardian would be another one. You know, like yep. these like super sort of high voluminous type people. Yep, yep, and yeah, like I mean, the volume before the Ultraman build up was like the biggest six weeks of my life. <sighs> Yes. Um, just because the bike run and swim volume had to be high. <laughs> so the totally. intensity was lower. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But like I peaked out at a, just looking back now, yeah. um, like a 36-hour week 
plus you know some sauna and stretching and a little bit of yeah. that sort of thing that I don't add into training peaks. Um, so that's right because you've got a sauna. You've got one of those dry saunas that you built. Yes, sauna, ice bath, and pretty much a full gym set up in my garage. So yeah, I'm not surprised you'd need it to be fair. Good for time efficiency. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a question for you. I'm a little bit um, this. You know what well, you know what I'm like, Simon. I sort of like things get in my head and I just talk about them. Um, how did you run all this by Larissa at the start? Um, yeah, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. <laughs> Yeah, well, when I bought the sauna, yeah. um, like a kit set sauna that pretty much arrived just before COVID, so I had time to, you know, muck yeah. around at home and, and build it up. Um, but it's an indoor sauna that I waterproofed and built a roof on and wanted it outdoors just to, yeah, it's a hell of a lot nicer than sitting in the corner of the garage like you see some people. Um, so we're looking out to the backyard to trees and, yeah, nice <laughs> nice sky and whatnot. Um, and, yeah, she thought it was a bit crazy, so I put a little concrete pad in and put it, you know, off to the side. But now she she loves it, she enjoys it and uses it as much as I do. Yeah. So. Now, what, so that's cool. What I mean is how did you run your your crazy training and the hours out spent out training. I mean, it's amazing, actually. It's so great to see you got because she's an athlete as well, and she's done some pretty awesome things over the last few months too. So it hasn't just been one in the Cochrane family who've been out sort of smashing it. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's definitely into it as well. And yeah, when I ran Queenstown Queenstown Marathon, and um, yeah, it's got a few other things in the in the pipeline as well. Um, jumped into a couple of half Ironmans over summer, not with a huge build up, but still just yeah enjoyed it got it done um but yeah I guess this I've always done this and I've always made it work um and because of my work being flexible um like I'm at home when it counts like I'm at home I go to swim squad super early in the morning but I'm home by pretty much five past seven when the kids are up so we'll have breakfast together get the kids off to school and day here and then I can shuffle work and training during the day and then I cook dinner and we're home in the evenings. Um, the Ultraman build up, like there was a few Saturdays where I was <laughs> gone from sunrise to sunset. Yeah. Um, but then like on the Sunday morning, Larissa would get up and go for a run or go to the gym or whatever. And then I'd do a little bit in the afternoon and just shuffle things around like that. So yeah, yeah we just make it work like swim squad before kids was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now for me, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Tuesday, Thursday is Larissa off to the gym, and I'll either do something in the garage if the kids are sleeping, or we're up and, yeah, <laughs> having breakfast at 5 a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. And so, Simon, with your, can we have a chat about your, like, recovery time? So you use sauna, you use ice bath, like, do you, do you put time in your diary to do the things for recovery, or and do you notice if you don't do it? Like, do you notice a difference? Yeah, I think so. Even like the placebo effect, you know, like if I'm in the sauna and the ice bath, I'll sleep better and then I'll just know that I've put that effort in. So I think your body relaxes more and yeah, you feel more confident of pushing hard in your training. Um, but I think the biggest thing has just been focusing on protein, like high, high protein, like not not counting or watching or like I've never counted calories or measured how much protein or anything I'm having but just keeping that as the main focus and just eating lots like when I was training 35 hours a week I could probably not even keep on top of the calories you know so I was literally if I was hungry I was eating and if I wasn't hungry I was eating yeah 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 <laughs> um, just make sure you're getting it in 
And then, yeah, just enough stretching mobility stuff, um, just daily, like even five minutes after a session, um, that all adds up. And then I've got recovery systems, boots, recovery um, boots, which I'll jump in, you know, a few times a week as well. Um, yeah, but I think the balance between swimming, biking and running definitely helps. Like even when you're doing big swimming, it's it's freshening the legs up a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Simon, was um, what about supplements for you? Um, oh, I mean, I take a multivitamin when I remember. Um, <laughs> actually, my sponsor Tailwind sent me some currants, um, just a couple of packs. And I was taking that before um, the Ultraman build-up. And, yeah, I think I actually felt a bit of a difference. Like, I got no association with them or anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, that might be, yeah, worth looking into a bit more as well. Um, I do, yeah, have protein shakes most afternoons and I will put some extra BCAAs in there I know there's so much research that probably you know whether it helps or not but I've just always done that so I, I pop them in yeah um, I do that too I put yep. BCAAs in with my good green vitalities because um, yep. they both taste good together and and actually where the research is as I understand it is actually for DOMS for endurance athletes so I think you're on the right you're on the money there yeah I think I've just always done it so I've just Kept doing it yeah. as well. Yeah. And just lots of salt, adding salt yeah. with everything. Um, yeah. I think actually that's an area where a lot of athletes might fall down, I think, is not the – I mean, they'll have their electrolyte drink in – this is just from my clinical experience – in their training and in their recovery, but not necessarily think about it at other times of the day. And it's more than just the electrolytes that you get in the drink that's important. It's actually, yeah, getting on that, getting on top of that salt. Yeah, and I think that also can – trigger you I guess you could think that you're feeling hungry when you probably just need a bit of salt and some liquid yeah yeah um, so a lot of people yeah will go to a salty type of food or something and it's like you don't need calories cause yeah. quite often you just need some salt salt yeah 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 no I to totally agree um do you know Simon do you do you know Sean Collins uh that name rings a bell. Yeah, so he's um, a friend of mine, and he's he's otherwise known as a running beast. He runs Electric Turkey. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, That's, yeah, 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 no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think you guys are a little bit sort of cut from the same cloth in terms of <laughs> your, uh, I suppose, your your interest in these super long, super challenging events because it's so much more than just the physical. Because I mean, to be in physical, to be able to be in physical shape over the course of the six months that you were for your events was phenomenal but to have the mental fortitude to not necessarily the event I mean that's something in itself but actually just the training and the day-to-day -day, like did you have like dark sort of periods of time where you were like why am I doing this or or actually that you actually that's not a thing that you think about because I know Sean's very good with that mental sort of um fortitude side of things yeah I'd say 99% of the time like I'm I'm pretty amped and motivated for training like I like yeah pushing myself testing out the you know different training theories and philosophies and um just pushing the boundaries I guess um and just seeing how it does motivate other people I think um and once people sort of think of you as that crazy guy who pushes hard it's like that does keep you in check as well it's like shit you know I've got to keep upping my game um you know you're getting messages from all sorts of people saying like it is motivating, which is which is cool. Um, and I mean, you still get those mornings where you wake up and you're like, I can't be stuck going to swim squad. But you know, I've never not done it. 
So, and you always feel better after you've done a session, like yeah, 100% of the time. And I think just because I have done it and have been so consistent, then it is just the alarm goes off and you get up and you do your thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what now, what was harder? Was Tarawera harder than the Ultraman? Yep. Yeah, I would have thought so too, actually. Yeah. Yep. What, what was it about it that made it harder for you? Um, yeah, like... I think because I raced Tarawera, like there's a difference between running 100 miles and racing 100 miles, like a big difference. Yeah. And I think I'm enjoying, yeah, finding these crazier events and actually trying to race them rather than just, yeah, go out and do them. Like there's a lot of people who you could go out and enjoy 100 miles. Like if you can walk a bit of staff, have chats with people, but when you're trying to, yeah, push hard. For that amount of time, I mean, it was, yeah, over 16 hours of running, you know, hard. Um, I think just that overall fatigue from the from the running is next level. Yeah, yeah. And how long did it take for you post that um, race to feel like you had your running legs sort of back? Well, I had to race Ironman like 21 days later. Oh, that's right. Mm. I forgot about so, Ironman. Actually, I, I didn't. It was actually in my notes, but now, but I think I just got caught up in the. So I had the other ones. Yeah, a week off running, and yeah. then I think the following weekend, or the following, yeah, I only had yeah ten days of run training as such, but I just had to try and dial that four minute k's back in for the Ironman sort of pace, um, and seemed to pull up all right. I mean. I definitely wasn't fresh going into Ironman um, just because I didn't have the bike miles, which then affects, yeah, how you run. I think I ran 256, which, I mean, considering, yeah, what I'd done, I was happy with that, but I knew I should have been running, yeah, hopefully under that 250, which I guess if you didn't do 100 miles two weeks before then. Well, it would have been a possibility, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Simon, did any of your, like throughout your training, cycle I suppose like did your events that you'd just done did that inform what you would then do training wise for your next event so for example you trained for Blue Lake did you think okay well that went particularly well I'm definitely going to do this for Tarawera um, and subsequently Tarawera for Ultraman like like how does that like how much do you sort of adjust your training based on your, your those previous races yeah I mean going through Blue Lake gave me a lot of confidence that Obviously, my endurance was okay. <laughs> my run form must be all right to not break down too much over 200Ks. So going into Taupo 100 a few weeks later, I mean, I knew I had done the endurance, so I just worked on a bit more intensity. But for ultra intensity, it's not, you know, it's not going to the track and doing 200 meter reps or anything. And I don't think that that's almost too risky when you're trying to put out 150K weeks. Um, so, and then, now my thoughts through the season was I was going to do those half Ironmans, which would be working on, obviously, the top end, and then it was going to be Tarawera, Ironman, and then that was sort of the perfect lead-in to Ultraman because I didn't have to do high-volume running because I've st- I still had that Tarawera run block in my legs, and the Ironman intensity on the swim and bike had sort of done its job, so I just had literally a month of building the race pace endurance towards Ultraman. So it's sort of, yeah, timed perfectly, really. Yeah. Were there any niggles throughout which made you think, I don't know that this is all going to come off, that you just were a bit quiet about on social media? 
Nah, nah. That's what I mean. Like this build-up was literally, yeah, I got to the start line, probably the best I'd felt for any race ever, which was interesting because it had been the, the biggest volume build-up. Um, and I remember doing a 20, 30-minute jog a couple of days before Ultraman and Aussie, and I was like, all right, I'll just go do it easy 30 minutes. And I came back and the average was like 4.19 per K. And I was like, well, the, the legs have actually freshened up a bit as well. So that gave me quite a bit of confidence. And same thing with the swim a couple of days before. I just went and did a kilometre. And same thing, just went by feel. And I was like, well, that's actually race pace. And that felt quite good. So whether you're used to racing half Ironman and Ironman intensity, and then you're bringing it back to that sort of high-end aerobic, um, just the perceived effort is easier to mentally deal with and then obviously, yeah, easier for the body as well. Yeah. And what about your, um, with that aerobic-based training, were you basing it on like um, Phil Maffetone's sort of math maximum aerobic function or just? So or, the last or... time I put a heart rate monitor on would have been about 15 years ago. So, <laughs> so is it all on feel, in pace, like? Just, All on feel. Yep. Yeah, amazing. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the watch wrist heart rates are useless, so there's no point oh, in I know. trying to use yeah. them. Yeah. And I don't like the chest strap. It's just annoying, chafing, and yeah. And my heart rate's quite low, so like resting heart rate would be under 40, and my threshold heart rate while running is like 150 or something. So it's so all the zones that are sort of out there and that you're looking at – um yeah, weren't super relevant. Um, so no, it's pretty much just by feel. I mean, I know my aerobic pace now as well. And that was slowly coming down. Um, like when I got back into running, like after my accident um, a couple of years ago, you know, it was sort of 450s per K was sort of like, you know, that easy aerobic. And now that has sort of come all the way down to, you know, like 425, 430 um, as the long easy run pace where you can still have a chat and um yeah feel comfortable yeah yeah awesome um is a lot of money in uh ultraman uh no <laughs> no no no, none. no, no. <laughs> but there's good kudos so um yeah, yeah so now what's so what's on the so when you went into that race actually so did you have an idea of your competition and how they could do like and compared to where you were at like did you know who else you were sort of competing against yeah so there, i mean there was a big pre-race favorite richard thompson who was yes. two-time ultraman world champ That's had right. won australia a couple of times and was the previous record holder um and he had put it out there that he was you know a big project sub 20 hours sort of thing which was an hour and 20 off the world record so everyone was sort of saying yeah you know you're dreaming um and i didn't think about times or anything because i hadn't done the distance before so yeah, I was just going there to race um, and yeah, just do my thing. <laughs> yeah. And and I know that you have covered this on other podcasts, but when you were sort of coming out of the swim, did you like, w was it obvious where you were placed? Um, well, I mean, I knew I was in the lead, yeah, which okay. was nice. Yeah, um, yeah. But at the final turnaround boy, um, I actually took a time split on my watch to see where Richard was and it was... It was only like six or eight minutes behind, which in the scheme of a 10k swim isn't isn't huge. So I pushed quite hard for the last bit of the swim and then got onto the bike, like quick transition out onto the bike and pushed like really hard. Um, but going back 
realize now that I actually beat him out of the water by 20 minutes. So I must have put a lot into him in that last K and a half. So whether his conditioning wasn't quite there for the full 10Ks or or whatever. Um, and then after day one, I had a 37-minute lead already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted to make a bit of a statement and put everyone else under pressure. Um, because I do have a fairly strong swim, um, that was the plan. Yeah, nice. And then, so what about your recovery food sort of post that first swim Simon like were you like did you have it all sort of dialed in or would did you just sort of eat to feel the way that we were talking about earlier like what was the deal for you there yeah so on the swim you've got a paddler who pretty much directs you and they can carry a bottle and and whatnot um so I just had I think four or five quick stops quick skull of tailwind so I just had a bottle over that 10 k's and then so you're straight onto the bike for 145 k's after that swim and yeah, just sort of normal. What you were talking about before. There. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then straight after, bit of protein, and then home that night. And it was just keeping it simple. So we just had homemade pizzas and some kuma fries. Um, didn't want to have a huge load of solids. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much that was the same day one, day two. Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah. about breakfast? Um, so my standard breakfast, like for racing, is just some. Rice cakes, peanut butter, banana, salt, and that was the same across the three days. Like that's what I do every weekend before my big um, sessions. Um, so that was yeah, keep keep everything same. Yeah, yeah, nice. And like in that race, where like what was your what was your favourite part of that race? Like was it the was it the coming down, finishing the run, like knowing that you'd like nailed the world record? Like, yeah, interesting. There was a few. I guess like each day had their own bits. Like I, I really enjoyed the ten k swim. Like I didn't think I was going to. Like the long pool training swims really drag on. But being in Noosa, the water was twenty five degrees. It's clear. You're out front, you're swimming well, feeling good. Um, yeah, when we got to like nine k's and there was a k to go, I was sort of like, oh man, I I wish it was longer. Like it was weird. <laughs> I did not think that would be the case. And then um, yeah, the long rides, like I, I really enjoy that. Um, there was a bit of scenery, but you're not looking looking too much into it. But just yeah, I guess just getting stuck in on those long hard days, just enjoy that. Like you know, seven hours of threshold riding. <laughs> not for everyone, but <laughs> and then the run. Um, the first marathon, yeah, just went quite smoothly. Like I had Matt Kerr as my pacer. So we were literally just chatting away, um, yeah, talking shit. And then turned and they said 258. And I was sort of like, wow, okay, that's going all right. And then obviously it gets a bit harder on the way back through the hills and that sort of thing. But didn't have any dark, super dark patches like across the three days. Like it was, it was pretty smooth. So the whole thing was enjoyable. Um, that doesn't mean it was easy, but it was, yeah, went as smooth as I could have hoped. Yeah, nice. And I, you know, it's funny, I was having this conversation with some other people a few weeks ago in that uh, sometimes when you're out training, like, like, I mean, you're, I mean, you, I don't know if this happens to you, and I don't think it will, but sometimes you just sort of throw your toys a little bit and go, what on earth am I doing? But then you stop and think, hey, actually, I've made the choice to be here. I'm really lucky to be out here doing this. And 
you know how awesome it is like having like reframing it when you do have those dark moments I reckon that's a real skill and that and it I don't even think that comes down to experience actually like because even the most experienced people can go into a hole and you know it's just yeah I think it's just having that mindset um and definitely like there's so many people that would love to be doing what we all get to do you know running riding swimming outside um and being fit and healthy like there's a lot of people that would give anything to to be there so you are lucky but you are still choosing to do it as well and then I guess those dark patches like on race day like yeah I don't go to the races to enjoy them like you're going there to get the most out of yourself and I'm expecting to hurt and expecting to suffer yeah Um, (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. no I totally and what was your sleep like across the days actually like were you too wired to sleep um yeah well you're sort of just a bit achy as well um but I generally sleep pretty good. Like I, I got to bed early enough that yeah, I was lying down for you know six or seven hours. So that's better than yeah. So now sleep, sleep was alright. Um, after the day three, like after the eighty four k run, the sleep that night didn't really happen. Like literally aching and I guess just overwhelmed from the the three days. But I think just the three days of that much sugar and carbs in the body as well your body's just going what the hell is going on yeah like, yeah yeah i think i worked out i would have had like over a kilo and a half of sugar over the three days and it's like your body's trying to process that yeah yeah um and then you chuck a few beers and a couple of pies in afterwards as well it's, oh um, that's good i was actually going to ask you that because um <laughs> i wasn't sure because i know some people after something like just like they really want to eat because mentally they're like oh i can't wait to have this but physically the stomach's like oh no that's not going to happen well, I think because I had liquid across the, the days, I was actually hungry. So, yeah, on the drive back to the Airbnb, we actually stopped at a bakery and I got two pies and finished them before we got home. And then, yeah, yeah I was definitely hungry. And then, yeah, we went back down to the Noosa Surf Club and, yeah, had a big meal and, yeah, a few beers and, yep. Awesome. And then that for that following week, Simon, did you, like, like did you have any post-race sort of depression? Like, do you get that? No, I'm pretty pretty good. Um, no, I was quite excited, really, because, like, yeah, it all went well, and then, yeah, I can start planning out the sort of next adventure and that sort of thing. Um, and I guess just because there was quite a lot of exposure and, um, yeah, quite a bit of hype around the event, which is which is cool. So I guess that kept me quite quite hyped up as well, rather than if you just came home or if you had a ship race, um, you would sort of, yeah, feel a bit average for a while but no I think it was almost opposite like I came home and I was sort of like kept getting messages and um yeah so that that definitely helped yeah for sure and I imagine as well through the last six months that whenever you ticked off like a milestone sort of event in the lead up they were they all went so well and yet there was still something else in in the future to sort of like enable you to sort of look ahead and not think oh well you know I just did my goal marathon for the year and then yeah exactly and I think that just helps you keep focused towards the next thing um yeah and it sort of all just was building up towards this but it didn't feel like I built up and then it dropped off you know what I mean like it it feels like there's still higher things to go now which is exciting as well yeah for sure so in terms of recovery how was that week for you post your post the event like did you do active movement did you really not do anything at all like what's the kind of what what did you do and what would you tell your athletes to do yeah I'd say I was more tired than sore yeah I mean you're still sore but I'm I'm used to being sore like I'm sore every weekend it's just that's normal but I guess the lack of sleep and just the overall 
energy output over the three days, like it would have, I think I would have burnt, you know, 25 to 30,000 calories across the three days. So that's a big shock to the body. And I think just being tired and not sleeping as well, and then a bit of travel and, you know, um, that sort of thing. But no, in general, um, it was good. So just back into some light rides and swims for the first week. And then this week's actually, yeah, body's starting to loosen up again and yeah, and ready to go. Yeah. And what are you ready to go for? So I'm, I'm almost ready to lock in Ultraman Canada. Amazing. When is that? I think that is five and a half weeks. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Actually, that, that doesn't that make perfect sense, right? Like as well, long as it you does. nail your recovery, then you've got all of that fitness just waiting. Yeah, so if that goes ahead like we're looking at this weekend to sort of see if we can make it all all work, mm-hmm. it'll be just another week of building back into things, a three-week block, and then taper again. So to be able to focus just for that four weeks is quite easy, whereas if it was, you know, December or something, you'd have to, yeah, have a whole build-up again, which, um, yeah. So hopefully that, which is a qualifier for the world champs in Hawaii in November. So there might be two more Ultramans before the end of the year. Was a, was that Noosa one not a qualifier? Bit of politics with the owners between Australia and Hawaii <sighs> Ultraman. So no, and they weren't willing to give a wildcard entry or anything either. Really? So there's a big history there that, yeah, is obviously not too healthy relationship. So no... No, not a direct qualifier, but yeah. Hey, and and you know what, you don't need that because you're just yeah. going to go and kick ass in Canada anyway. So like legit, like you know. So I mean, yeah, and it's in Penticton, which I love. Like I've raced Challenge Penticton before, um, and the course looks amazing. Like it's a lake swim, and I think it's actually a point to point ten k, which will seem like a hell of a long way. Um, and then the day one bike um, finishes you know 145 k's away from the start and at the day two so it's a bit more logistics to organize but you get to see a lot more of the area and um, yeah I think it'll be a lot warmer a lot hillier so the, the times might not be as quick and the conditions might be a bit tougher but that's I'm looking forward to that challenge as well yeah because it doesn't really matter your time for the qualifier is it no I don't think so no yeah. I think this one if I if I race and you know if I race well i'll probably yeah yeah get in what is it top so. three or no i don't even know if they've got like a criteria as such but i mean i'll be racing to win yeah 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 cool so is there anything from your training for this ultra that you will change in the lead-in to canada no i mean i've just sort of looked back at the three weeks before um the Aussie one, yeah, and I've sort of penciled that in for the three weeks before um, Canada. But the travel, you know, it takes an extra day or so, and then the time zones and that sort of thing. So that last week, I might freshen up a little bit more. Like I'm not worried about the endurance as such, and then I might do the two weeks prior to that the same and then the two weeks prior I might do a little bit lighter volume but a little bit more intensity just to lift the thresholds up um and yeah so I might find a a marathon or something like that something nice and short yeah (laughs) and (laughs) um just get used to that sort of uncomfortable tempo running so then when you go back to the the 84k pace it um yeah feels a bit more comfortable 
Yeah, nice. Will Larissa and the family be coming with you? Uh, this trip, probably just Larissa. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. But it was, it was good to have everyone at Noosa. Like it was, um, yeah, because they are your full support crew in the car. Like there's no aid stations or anything. So it's it's literally on them for directions and handing bottles and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. How old are your kids, Simon? Tinley's five. Yeah. So just started school and Nixon's two, two and a half. Cute. Well, two and a half probably is a little bit too young, but I just think it's so great for kids to see their parents go out and like nail it, you know, like be so determined and and that kind of thing. I was having a conversation with someone the other week just talking about how, you know, like sometimes you can get really frustrated at kids because they're not they're not basically picking up what you're putting down, but they are in their head. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. No, that's definitely a motivator. And um but I think, yeah, like Tinley understands what I do, but still doesn't understand the distances or anything. Oh, no, like, you know, no, 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 doesn't need done to. Ninety k training run, and now he's home mowing the lawns, and you know, yeah, yeah, play, playing for the afternoon. It's like, oh, he just went out for a little jog. Yeah, totally. Back, so yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know his mates' dads will probably do the same, like go out for a little jog and then mow the lawns. But yeah, it's just it's all relative, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, if you had had a an athlete come to you and say that they'd want to do all of what you've done, what would you have said to them? Yes, but it's probably going to take an extra few years to get to that level. Um, it literally is that years of aerobic base that you can't you can't short track. You know, like people that try and do it get injured or you know run down or lose motivation or that sort of thing like it it does take time to build up that endurance um but i mean it, it can be done like but you just got to be willing to put in usually a bit more work than you think and just commit for a bit longer um but most people can get more out of themselves by actually you know nailing and just focusing on each day rather than thinking you know got something down the line, it's like, no, I just want people to just focus on what you got to do today, do that the best you can, and tick that off for six months in a row, and you'll be amazed at what you can achieve. I yeah, think. yeah. That's And what is that saying? That people overestimate what they can do in, like, you know, six weeks, but underestimate what they can do in, like, a year or whatever. Yep, yep. Yeah. And that's that's big, yeah. 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 Any... um. Like with your injury history, have you had, I know that you've had a fall before, but any stress fracture worries or anything like that that you were sort of mindful of coming into this massive block? Or that um, I mean, my my feet roll in a little bit, so I've got like orthotics. Um, a few years ago, I did have a stress fracture in my ankle, um, but I think that was more from a sort of impact or um, twisting it rather than a overtraining as such. Um, so no, pretty, pretty good, really. I mean, you still get the, you know, sore areas, tight areas, but it's just backing off when you need to. And just, yeah, I mean, I get massage every couple of weeks, um, and just keeping on top of stretching, um, making sure you're using new shoes every, you know, block. So I've got like about six shoes that I'll rotate through just to change it up as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And actually I was thinking about your running load and thinking most people sort of change up their running shoes every, I don't know, 12 weeks and you might be a little bit a little bit more than that. Yeah, well, I'm pretty efficient with my run form, I think. So my shoes actually do last, like I got a thousand Ks out of a pair of shoes. Um, yeah, which is quite good. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. Who's your, do you have a shoe sponsor? Uh, no, no. 
Um, Mike Graham at True Science helps me out a bit. Yeah, he's um, great. But no, nah, it'd be cool to get into like, I mean, I run in Sacconi's 90% of the time. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah. That'd be great. Are, yeah. You, my you, pick at the moment. Yeah. So you've got, obviously got Tailwind. Yep. Sacconi would need to yeah, ring and, you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like for my bike and um, like Sipo have sponsored me for about six years, which is, yeah, a cool Japanese brand that, um, yeah, suits me so well. And then negative split carbon wheels. Um, and then just come on board with Win Republic for the training and racing gear, which is which is That's quite cool. That's great. So, yeah. They've got yeah. some nice gear. So, Simon, um, you just meant we just talked about sort of patience, perseverance, and just taking it day by day for other athletes who are inspired by what you do. Anything else that you want to sort of uh, leave them with or motive or anything that's – because who is – Who's contacting you now, actually? Do you get a lot of ultra runners contacting you? A lot of the longer, as opposed to, you know, your 70.3s and your Ironman athletes? Yep, yep, probably, yeah, in the last, obviously, just a couple of months, it has been a bit more, yeah, people going for those more extreme events, just because I guess I've been out a bit of a profile now and have done, yeah, fairly well at some long events. Um, yeah, and I think it's people... A lot of people don't realize what it does take and what the commitment is. So I think it's just making it realistic um, in the build up. Like, you know, it's you got to tick off, like I say, each week at a time. And if we can prog just keep progressing towards whatever event you're aiming for, then that's the only goal you can really have. Like, you don't really need a, a time goal or a placing goal. It's like if you can keep improving consistently, then that's that's the number one goal and whether that happens across two months towards an event or you can keep doing that across you know five ten years then that that's the most important thing and I think just realizing that every little decision does make a difference like you know same thing with diet I guess it's like you know you can be a bit relaxed as well but then you get into that loop of being more relaxed more often as well so it's yeah, it's just always choosing the hard option, like I said the other day. It's just, yeah. 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 You just and feel so much down, better. Deep down, you know what the answer is. Like, you don't need to ask someone or you don't need to, you know. I mean, you may do for a bit of guidance, but at the end of the day, you know what is the right choice when you think, should I do this or should I do this? Nine times out of ten, you, you know deep down. And the confidence builds from when you choose that, that hard thing. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, Simon, I've developed more of a mindset like that in the last couple of years, which has been so great for a number of, for my running um, and and also other areas like professional development and stuff. And I I did it through resources and podcasts and books and, and things. Have you always felt and thought this way or have you also done that sort of work and do you also engage in, in podcasts around um, yeah, definitely. And same yeah. thing in the last few years, I think. It it works well with training for the mindset as well, but then it's business, relationships, yeah. everything's the same. It's like, it is. you know, if if you've got an email that you're like, oh, I don't really want to get back to them. It's yeah. like, do that first. And yeah. the weight is off your mind. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of times, yeah, when people are messaging and that sort of thing, it's like, pick up the phone, call them, get the situation done. And nine times out of ten, it's going to be a lot better than you think like in your head it's going to be a lot worse so just yeah get the hard thing out of the way first and it's uh it's like cold shower in the morning it's like if you can do something that you hate that sucks 
first thing, then the rest of the day is going to be a bit easier. Totally. And what, um, do any books or any podcasts that you listen to or anything or any emails that you subscribe to that sort of give you that daily sort of reminder of this stuff? Oh, no, I need need some new books. I've sort of been quite busy lately. Yeah, um, yeah. You need audio books. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all the usual podcasts that are, you know, motivating um, is good. And I'll just sort of scan through. And if I find a guest that I enjoy or like, then yeah. And then you go down some rabbit holes and, you know, learn different things. Um, but the good old Goggins, hard, tough nut stuff, um, that's that's good. And that, that crosses over with every aspect of, of life as well, I think. I totally agree. That, yep. and I bet you would listen to a lot of the similar things. Michael Esther in his Comfort Crisis book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I subscribe to his Substack 2%. It's great. Uh, and uh, oh, well, there's another book, 4,000 Weeks, actually, which oh, is. Oh, I've heard that one. Yes, yep. yeah, that's the number of weeks that on average we're going to uh, yes. live. So you better make the most of them. As yeah, you I've do, seen a few Simon. people with those with those big calendars where you cross off you know, each, <laughs> yeah. each week. Oh, yeah. To what? Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. If I, I don't know if I want to do that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Simon, um, thank you so much for your time this morning. Like, it's so cool to have this chat and um, just get a little bit of an insight into what goes on in your mind. And because I think it's so inspiring for people and it's so cool that things have just gone so well because every time you did a race, it was like, oh my God, you've nailed that again. Like it was, it was big talk in our house as well because we've loved following you and, and, and seeing what you've done. So finally, I do actually just have one question. Is there like a 200 miler in your future somewhere in Europe? Yeah, well, I was actually following that Cocodona 250 in the yes. States, um, which is strangely enough, quite appealing. Um, running 400Ks non-stop through the desert. Not strange at um, all, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and this sort of multi-day Ultraman sort of, yeah, was an insight into what it feels like going day after day. I mean, it's not running for three days straight, but it's a bit of an insight. And, I mean, I've done the Blue Lake 24-hour, which I might slot in again this year as well, whether I go for the 200K again or just go and have some fun with my athletes out there. Yeah, nice. We'll see. Um, yeah. But no, definitely. I think, yeah, it'd be fun to go and like have a good crack at some of those races. Like I was saying, like, you know, a lot of people enter a 250 mile run and probably walk 70% of it. Um, but yeah, just push some limits and see. Yeah, it might. The first time I do that, it might end up real ugly, but um it's all if learning, eh? The, if I do the prep right and, um, yeah, believe in the process, then who knows? You might yeah. be able to go and, yeah, go well at some of those. And, like, bad water and some of those oh, real yes. um, extreme conditions events. Yeah. Um, which I think with some of my results lately probably helps with some of the application processes, which seem hard to get into a lot of those events. Um, so maybe, yeah, with a bit of some good results this season, it might might help talking to some race organizers or something yeah i can't imagine any race organizer turning you away if i'm like like if they don't accept someone like you who on earth goes into those events like who are these crazy people (laughs) (laughs) when i say crazy i don't actually mean crazy but just like you know your i i really think that your results just you stand out like and it's so awesome cool thanks yeah no i mean this season has gone pretty well um but the exciting thing is you can always see 
room some room yes. for improvement yeah. um and it's not even in the physical stuff it's just pushing that mental boundaries um like ultraman went pretty smooth like there wasn't any dark sort of stuff so you're like well how much harder could you have pushed um because day three like i wasn't racing anyone apart from me and the clock um which is quite hard to get to get the most out of yourself when you're not under so much so much pressure yeah for sure um so yeah Nice, Simon. Well, I hope that you have a good, relaxing rest of your day. And it's exciting to hear that Canada may be on the cards and just get um, get confirmation on that and then just follow your journey through there because that's not far away. So uh, now tell people where they can find you on Instagram. And also, are you taking athletes right now? You must, All your books are full. How's that look? Pretty close to being full. Yeah. Um, still always keen to chat to people because there's always options um, around that. So definitely, yeah, get in touch via um, athleticpeak.co.nz nice. or on Instagram you'll find, I think it's athletic.peak and at Cochrane Simon on Instagram and you'll find all things crazy endurance. That is awesome. Simon, thanks so much. Thanks, Mickey. Good to chat. Alrighty, hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed uh, chatting to Simon and it was such a great chat just to be able to talk to him about all of those elements that got him to where he is and also of course what's next. I think it's super exciting for Simon and I'm really, um, I can't wait to see how the rest of the year unfolds. Next week on the podcast, I talk to my friend Quadjo Kiriamunting, an ICU and palliative care specialist on his experience being on the front line of the COVID response in Canada. Despite the fact that COVID is almost a distant memory for us, there are some real take-homes from this conversation that I had with Quadjo that I think you're really going to appreciate. So that is next week on the podcast. You guys have a great week. You can catch me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, over on Instagram and Twitter at Mickey Willardin, or head over to my website, mickeywillardin.com, where you can book a call or jump on one of my meal plans. All right, team, have a great week. Talk soon. Bye.